Now it's my honor and my privilege to bring to this pulpit a dear friend. Um, Pastor Ari Prado pastors a great church in Alameda, California. He actually pastors two churches in Alameda, California. He preaches in Spanish. He preaches in English. And he is making such a difference. He's a voice in this day and in this generation. And we love him here in Durham. Now, I personally, he is a dear friend of mine. He's a dear friend of Pastor Galindo's. But Bishop Godier was supporting Brother Prado long before all of that and helping that church over there in California and supporting them. And we love and appreciate him. He did such a great job uh, the other night at TDV, and we talked him into staying over for Sunday. Thank the Lord, and we're so glad he did. Brother Prado, come and preach to us tonight. We love you. God bless you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Psalms, the 106th song. And uh, while you're turning there, let me just say how much I appreciate this church and this congregation and the people of God. And I uh, also want to give uh, honor to your pastor, Pastor Nathaniel Urshan and his family. Love and appreciate them. They have been great friends to, uh, to my wife and I throughout the years. And uh, uh, during one of the more complicated and difficult times of my life, uh, God gave me uh, two words. God spoke to me very clearly and uh, told me that there was two friends in particular that he was giving me to help me. And uh, one of them uh, preached for me this morning back home, uh, Pastor Joel Buxton. And the other friend was Nathaniel Urshan. Praise God, Pastor Nathaniel Urshan. And uh, I'm thankful for their friendship and uh, also very thankful for Bishop Goder. Praise God. I drive around town all day in a beautiful little van teaching Bible studies. I have a portable baptistry, praise God, and it sits in the back of the van, baptize people in the kitchen, not in the sink, but in the portable baptistry. <laughs> all compliments of First Pentecostal Church of Durham. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, praise the Lord. And so we love and appreciate the Godair family and... Uh, my wife and I pray for you, Bishop. We pray for you. I was praying for you today, and I'm so thankful for pioneer men like Bishop Godair, who remind us to pray, read our Bible, and teach Bible studies. Man, what a winning combination. How do you lose with that? Praise the Lord. So, I feel like I have a word from the Lord for you, and uh, don't let me forget my good friend, Brother Galindo. Praise God. Amen. Love and appreciate him. Praise the Lord. I've been with him uh, for the last several days and uh, love him and his family. Praise God. All right. Psalms 106 and verse number two to three. I really do feel like I have a word from the Lord for you. And I'm going to try to deliver this as best I can. You going to help me preach? Praise God. It says, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness sometimes, at all times. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you on this subject. In the moment. 
in the moment. Can we say that together? In the moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch me today so that I could speak to your people as the oracle of the Lord. God, I pray humbly today that you would use me to bless your people. They're a wonderful people in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. The Bible is full of what we call moments. And by moments, I mean distinct instances that are unquestionably beyond the ordinary. Both the people experiencing these moments, as well as those of us reading about these moments, know that they are moments. For example, Noah in Genesis chapter 6 has a moment. God begins to speak to him and download instructions on how to build an ark. This was without a doubt a moment. God did not just tell Noah, make a big box, I hope it floats. He told him how many feet high and wide and long, how many stories, what kind of animals to put in it. He told him how long he would be in it. God even told him what kind of wood to use. This was a moment. This was a moment. We could talk about Moses, who was ready to retire, and he was walking around in the wilderness, and suddenly he sees a bush that burns, but it's not consumed. This, this was a moment. But then the moment doubles over and intensifies, and a voice comes out of the flaming bush, and it calls Moses. And as Moses nears the bush, the voice begins to articulate some very interesting things. And it tells Moses that he's going to go back to Egypt and that he's going to tell the most powerful man in the then known world to let the Jewish people go. Moses is reluctant and resistant. And so the Lord tells him to throw down his staff and it turns into a snake. That's a moment. But if that wasn't enough, he picks it up and it turns back into a staff. He's still reluctant. He's still resistant. So then the Lord tells him, now put your hand inside of your cloak. And when he does, and he pulls it out, it's white and leprous. He says, now put it back in. And when he does, it's completely healed. This is a moment. You cannot question this. The reader nor Moses questioned whether or not this was a moment. We can talk about Samuel. A young child. Children can have moments. Children. Can, God communicates with children. I'm going to say that again. God communicates with children. <laughs> Praise God. And so God begins to talk to this boy Samuel. And at the time, no one was hearing from God. No one. And Samuel is not just part of a nation that's carnal. He's now inside of a carnal temple because the priest is carnal. His sons are carnal. It's obvious that no one's hearing from God. 
And one night while in bed, he hears a voice. And he confuses it with the voice of Eli. And he goes to Eli and he asks him if he called for him. Eli responds in the negative and says, I did not call for you. This happens several times. And finally, Eli tells him, you're about to have a moment. Go back to your room and wait for the voice of the Lord to come to you again. And when Samuel goes back into his room, it happens. The Lord speaks to him. And we know that he had a moment because when he came out of that room, he was no longer a boy. He began to prophesy and speak as the Lord told him to. And the scripture says, not one word fell to the ground. It was a moment. It was life altering. It was transformative. It was radical. It was a moment. We could talk about Elijah and Elisha, two of the most prophetic and powerful men of the Old Testament. Combined, they constitute the most miracles in all of the Bible. But there came a day when Elijah was ready to come off the scene, and Elisha was going to take his place, and the two men shared a moment. Elijah is teleported. I don't know what else to use. I don't know what other word I could possibly use. But he, he levitates inside of a chariot. The levitation would have been enough for me. But he, he lands inside of a chariot of fire. And Elisha knows this is a moment. And he says, throw down your mantle. And he does. And Elisha slams the mantle on the ground. And the water split. And there's another moment. These are moments. Powerful, unquestionable, divine moments. These are by all accounts genuine and supernatural. But these are not the only kind of moments found in scripture. There are other kinds of moments which are not so dramatic or as intense, yet they are just as impactful and life altering. But what I can't stress enough is that God was just as involved in those less dramatic moments as he was in the dramatic moments. And so tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach to you about the moments in your life which don't appear to be moments at all, but they are. In addition, I'm going to preach to you about what you are supposed to do when you find yourself in these moments. Because despite there not being a lot of fireworks and phenomenon, God is in those moments. And what you do in response to those moments will radically shape the rest of your life. I'm talking about the moments when you're in the car. I'm talking about the moments when you're washing dishes. I'm talking about the moments when you're home by yourself with the little children. I'm talking about the moments when you're at work and all of a sudden you know that God is there. He's not there quite like he's here right now. He's not there quite like he was when Elijah and Elijah were transferring mantles. But you know that he's there. And you know that something is going on that's significant and that's important. I'm talking about the moments 
moments when you and your family are fighting and struggling to make it and all of a sudden God speaks to you in a still small voice and he's telling you to have hope. I'm talking to you about the moments that happen when you're hooked up to the dialysis machine and all of a sudden you feel goosebumps come over you and you know that God is speaking to you. I'm talking about the moments when you have more month than check and you don't know how you're going to make it and all of a sudden you hear, amen, a little word called trust, amen, hallelujah, whispered into your, I'm talking about moments, amen, hallelujah, there may not be a choir, there may not be fireworks, there may not be the laying on of hands or the anointing of oil, but it's a moment, and you know that it's a moment, but you're not sure what to do in those moments, you're not sure how to navigate that moment, you're not sure what God wants in that moment, I feel like we're having a moment right now, I can feel the Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the well, let's magnify the Lord because he's walked into this place in a very special way right now hallelujah but before we talk about this I, I feel very very prompted to say this it is so vital and so critical that you pray and read your Bible every day. Hey, I am telling you, God moves on us more than we know, but so many times we're so, uh, we're so overwhelmed by the things of life and the things of this world, and we're encrusted, we're enclosed, we're cocooned, and we can't feel the gentle touch of Jesus, amen, in the kitchen, in the car, at home, helping us raise the kids, helping us go through struggle and trial and turbulence. We can't feel it because we're not praying every day and we're not reading our Bible every day. And I'm telling you, these two simple Christians disciplines will sensitize you to the presence of God even when it's subtle and even when it's come on I'm telling you there's I'm not telling you you got to pray 10 hours amen at 5 a.m. I'm telling you if you'll just roll out of bed get on your knees and and pray for half an hour for 60 minutes and then just open up a proverb open up a psalm and just read it and let it you don't even have to read the whole thing because if you know anything about Bible reading there's times you start reading off a chapter and one verse gets your attention you're supposed to stop right there and soak that in you're not supposed to just keep reading you're supposed to stop and let the verse speak to you because as Jesus said the words which I speak they are spirit and they are life you're not just reading dry old words out of an old book you're reading spirit you're reading life and when you do that amen it's gonna I know everybody starts work at a different time of the day, but let me just say, amen, prayer is the first thing you should do every day. Amen. Don't pray when the day is over. It's too late. Pray before the day begins. Pray before the trials come. Pray before the kids act up. Pray before, pray before you're in trouble. Pray. Oh, let's just let that sink in for a few seconds. Oh, come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to know when God's in the house. I 
want to know when God's in the car. I want to know when God's helping me raise that adopted child that I'm starting to wonder, should I have done this? I'm talking to somebody right now. I know when I'm in the Holy Ghost. I want to hear the voice of God when me and my spouse are fighting and I'm not sure if we're ever going to get along. I want to hear the voice of God. Amen. I want to hear the voice of God as he helps me lay hands on my autistic child, uh, praying that there'll be a change in their life. I want to feel God uh, when I'm hooked up to the chemotherapy. I want to hear the voice of God uh, when I got surgery on Monday morning. Praise God. I'm Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Yes, 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 yes. Do you feel what I feel? I feel something powerful in the house right now. Oh, come on, come on. I'm not trying to drag this out. I got plenty to preach, but the Holy Ghost is just walking through here. The Holy Ghost is just walking through here. The Holy Ghost is just walking through here. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know what trouble you came with. Uh, I don't know what problem you came with, uh, but God is talking to somebody. Pick up your Bible, read it every day. Uh, get on your knees, pray every day. Hey, I'm telling you, it's the little stuff that wins the big battles. It's the little hinges that turn the big doors. It's the little... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I feel a love for the Bible sweeping over this house right now. Oh, hallelujah. I can't tell you how many times I've come out of services like this. I go home and I hug my Bible and I just weep over it. I'm telling you, those are the words of life. Those scriptures have seen millions and millions and millions of people. Amen. Through fire, through flood, through trial and turbulation. I'm telling you, your Bible is a special book. Your, your time of prayer is a special time. Amen. Your mornings, the beginning of the day, praise God, is something special. It's not an Instagram moment it's a prayer meeting it's not it's not stuff for a Facebook discussion it's stuff for a discussion between you and G Hallelujah. let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what we're feeling here When discussing moments, subtle moments, that change our lives, there's no better place to start than in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And everything he made was good. Everything was good. And then all of a sudden, after seven goods, the Lord declares, there is something that is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. Loneliness is the first human emotion ever detailed in scripture. 
Not happiness. Not joy. Not anger. Not wrath. Loneliness. Loneliness. Adam was lonely. And he didn't like it. And God didn't like it. And God didn't give him friends. Or followers. God gave him a woman. And it was a wedding. God performed the first wedding. The scripture says that he made woman and he brought her to man. Just like a father does his daughter. God performed the first wedding. And Adam loved Eve a lot. And he feared being alone again. And Eve one day started talking to a snake. This is a whole other message. But let me just tell you, there are some things that when they talk, you walk. Snakes are one of them. But she didn't walk. She talked. She talked. And she ate of the fruit. And this, this is a moment. It doesn't look like a moment. Everything in the moment is subtle. The dialogue, the serpent, everything is toned down and subtle. But it's a moment that is about to change everything. And Eve hands the fruit to her husband. And her husband eats. And it's Paul who tells us in 2 Timothy that Adam ate knowingly. He was not deceived. But what he was, was afraid of being alone again. And he knew that if they ate of that fruit, somebody was going to die. And he decided, I would rather die than be alone again. There are moments in life where you have to be extremely aware of the emotions that you give priority to. Because if you are not aware of what emotions you give priority to, you will disobey God. I am telling you that we have to give priority to obedience. I know wonderful people of God. I pastor wonderful people of God. But they give high priority to fear. And the minute they become fearful, they will do whatever fear says. I know wonderful people that will give priority to anxiety. And they, they, will, they will live for God 51 weeks out of the year. But the minute they feel anxious, they will give anxiety priority. We got to give obedience priority. When... Hey, this is not part of my message, but can I tell you that delayed obedience is disobedience. When God tells you something, you do it and do it right away, regardless of how you feel. Oh, I'm going to need more people to help me preach than that. 
I don't care if you're afraid. I don't care if you're lonely. I don't care if you're desperate. I don't care if you're thirsty. I don't care if you're hungry. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you're worn out. I don't care if you're fresh out of divorce court. I don't care if you're, come on somebody, I'm preaching to you. When God says to do something, you do it. You obey the Lord. We give priority to obedience. And when God speaks, we do it and we do it right away. When God checks us, we say, yes, sir. When God says jump, we only ask how high because delayed obedience is disobedience. Uh, and I'm just telling you right now that the thing God is looking for in these last days are obedient people. Uh, it's the obedient Oh, come on. Let's magnify Jesus. You know what? God's talking to somebody right now. God is talking to somebody right now. When I first got baptized, I wasn't going to even talk about it. This is free, free 99. When I first got baptized, I had piercings everywhere. I didn't need anybody to tell me. I knew these things got to go. The one in my nose, the one in my mouth, the one in my ears. It's got to go. There are people in this sanctuary right now. You might, you, you've probably only been in church a few weeks, but already you are feeling a check in the Holy Ghost to start getting rid of some things. But you keep telling yourself, I'm only feeling this way because I'm looking at the people around me. That's not why you're feeling this way. The reason you're feeling this way is because you have something inside of you called the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And what it does is produce holiness, modesty. And it's going to make you want to be different. The word holy means to be separate, distinct, different, different than the you got it girl you got to be different than the folks at the apartment complex brother you got to be different than the brothers at the on the block you got to be different than the people at work you got to be different than the people at school you got to be different you come on and when God says take it off, it's time just to take it off. And when God says throw it away, it's just time to throw it away. When God says get rid of it, it's just time to get rid of it. When God says throw it in the trash, don't try to sell it. Don't try to make a little profit. Don't tell me you're going to put it in the offering. Just burn it up and get rid of it and keep on living for Jesus and obey him and give obedience the priority in your life. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hey, good saint of God, good young lady. I'm not here to pick on the ladies, but I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to obey God. Good young lady, if you look in the mirror prior to coming to church and you feel a check, obey the check. It's not your mom. She's in the other room. It's not your dad. He's in the other room. It's not your pastor. He's at church praying for you that you not come to church wearing that. Praise God. Just listen to the check. Just obey the check. It's the Holy Ghost, girlfriend. It ain't even you. You're the one that bought the outfit. Now obey God. Just obey God. Go. I need somebody to help me preach besides just her. Praise God. Uh, hey, I'm 
It feels good to be holy. It feels good to be modest. It feels good to be different. It feels good to obey Jesus. It feels good to obey Jesus. This has never happened to me before, ever. I told the Spanish church this morning, I woke up early to pray, Pastor Urshan. And I, I, I promise you, I was praying like I always pray. I started thanking God for when he saved me. I started thanking God for the, I was, I was, I was such a wreck before I got saved. And all of a sudden, I felt Dread come over me. I mean, palpable fear. I felt terror come over me. And for about three seconds, I felt like the Lord let me feel what it would be like to not have the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I started turning in my prayer. I, I, I started rolling over, sobbing and weeping. I felt such a darkness. I felt such, a, such an ugliness. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord came back over me. I'm telling you, I've never been more appreciative for the Holy Ghost than I was this morning. And I don't ever want to go back to the man I was before I had it. And you shouldn't either. You shouldn't want to dress like the man who didn't have the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't want to dress like the woman who didn't have the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't want to go back to the world. You should not want to go back to the world that God delivered you from. I Come on. It wasn't fun. It wasn't all games. It wasn't a good time. It was sin. It was hell. It was horrible. It was horrific. You were going to be lost, but God interrupted Satan's plans and saved you. Don't go back to the old plans. Stay in the stay in that new and living way. Hey. Those two spies came into Jericho. They told uh, they told Rahab, "We're going to level the place." She helped them. She helped them. You know, we, you, I, I know how we read it, but let me tell you the truth. That was an act of treason. She betrayed her entire country. I'm sorry. I know the kids are here. She was a prostitute. She lived inside the walls. You know, I'm going to tell you, I know how we preach it, that they walked around Jericho, blew the trumpets, and, and let me tell you why they did that. Because Jericho was so filthy, so overrun with sin. There are 10 sins that I can't even mention over the over the microphone that the Lord lists that Jericho was involved in. God didn't even want his people stepping foot inside the place. In fact, when they leveled it, Joshua said, cursed be the man that ever tries to erect this city again. And history says that there were two men that tried to erect it and both of them died. Amen. And when, and when, they, offered, when they offered Rahab a way out, she said, I'm ready to betray this place lock, stock, and barrel. As far as I'm tired of this life, 
I'm living. They don't treat me right. They don't love me. This life I've been living, it's not been good to me. Let it burn. Let it burn. Let it burn. Hallelujah. I just, I, I'm telling you, it's time to betray Jericho. There's some folk in here. You need to just betray Jericho already. Quit playing with it. It's not a good place. It's not a happy place. It's not popping. It's not live and it's not lit. It's sin and it's evil and it's killing you. Oh, somebody give God some praise. Betray its music, betray its clothing, betray its ways, betray its philosophies. Turn your back on it and don't ever look back. You're going to save you. You're going to save your family. You're going to save your kids. You're going to save your grandparents. All for about five seconds. Give the Lord a hand clap or I feel the Holy Ghost. Just close your eyes. I can feel it, Pastor Urshan. They're going to turn their back on Jericho. I can see some young people right now saying, let it burn. Let it burn. Let it burn. Let it burn. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout it again and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. I've already been preaching 38 minutes. I need to hurry up, but I'm telling you, there is an explosive. We are in an explosive dynamic moment right now. It's happening. You can, I can actually feel change, amen, taking place in the minds and in the hearts of people as I'm preaching. I'm telling you, this is a special moment. This is a... Sp hey, I can't... It took me a long time to get my act together. Some say I still don't have it together. Amen. You know what? Don't ever get your act together. Let's stop acting altogether. Praise God. And let's just be apostolic. Praise God. But as I... Come on. Hey, as I struggled to be apostolic, I fell, but I got back up. I fell again, and then I got up again. I kept coming to the altar call, and then I was in a service just like this. It was a moment just like this. The preacher was preaching. Some people were tired. Some were shouting. Others were running, but all of a sudden, I felt like I can change right now if I want to. I can change right now if I want to. Amen. I don't have to accept this anymore, and I lifted my hands, and I I said, be it unto me, Jesus. Be it unto me. Oh, let's get lost in this for a few seconds. Let's just. Oh, lift your hands.
You have to change. You have to change. This, this is not part of my message. I, I'm, but I'm, I'm telling you, I feel it so strong in the Holy Ghost. You have to change. Some of you have lost family members that you're praying for. And the Lord told me to tell you that you have to change. You know what the Lord did with Abraham? He came to Abraham while he was in Mamre and he said, Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But I know you got a backslid family member over there. So I came to talk to you about it. But do you know why God came to talk to him about it? He said, because I know Abraham will order his family in the ways of the Lord. In other words, he said, I will save I will save your lost family members if I watch you taking care of the family members in your house. When your house is right, God will bring the people that have left your house back to your house. Y'all don't want to hear that. Praise God. You, you already quit praying for them. I hope, I hope you change tonight. And I... I pray that as you change, God all of a sudden start working on John John and Lisa and Tiffany. I pray that tonight as you make it up in your mind, I'm fixing to change when I get home. I'm throwing away that television when I get home. I'm throwing away that... that I'm getting rid of those clothes and that jewelry when I get home. I'm getting rid of that music when I get home. And you just watch God start reaching for your son that's been selling dope. You watch God start reaching for your daughter that was dating a dope dealer now she in jail for it ah, i'm telling you right now the holy ghost is talking to somebody but it begins with you it begins with you it begins you're here you can had a moment when God spoke to him and told him leave your father's house and Abraham left he did leave his father's house the problem is he brought his father's house with him he had a nephew named Lot in Hebrew Lot means veil he brought the veil with him you ever have a family member that just blinds you they might be sitting next to you. Just look straight. <laughs> Just look this way. Just look this way. <laughs> Everybody has that family member that blinds them. The problem is that the blindness affects the things of God. And so there was things Abraham could not see in God because of this family member that he wasn't supposed to have with them in the first place. And there was a day, no, 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 there was a moment when Abraham was in the tent and somebody came running through the tent and yelled, fight! And Abraham didn't get up in a big hurry. He stayed right there. Because he knew this is a moment. 
God is talking to me. He's not using words. He's not using images, visions, or dreams. He's using a situation to talk to me. You know, when I was in the world, when you yelled fight, everybody ran for their phones to take pictures and show up to see who's about to get knocked out. But Abraham didn't do that. He says, this is a moment. God is talking to me. And he is telling me to do something to undo something. When you're in a moment, a moment of conflict, a moment of conflict, you got to learn how to untie ties. Because a lot of times we just think that the only option is to cut ties. But there are certain situations where if you cut ties, it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be bad. Not for you, but for them. And Abraham broadened his horizon. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to untie ties. And he went out there and he told Lot, it's just time for you to go. But don't go away mad. Just go away. Listen, First Pentecostal Church of Durham. Our fountain and our fig tree needs to be sweet. James 3.11 says, your fountain can't be bitter and sweet. And your fig tree has to be sweet. And you know what? We got to bless them when they come. And we got to bless them when they go. Our fountain... Hey, listen, I, I'm just telling you, we, we've not been around a long time. Our church is still growing. We're, we're a young church. But we have people come and go. We, we have, we, I have people that I've taught Bible studies to. I've wept over them. I've helped them. I, was, I baptized them. I was there through the whole thing. And then they leave. And then they leave. And, and then I see them at Target. I remember, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people and I hide. Like I, like I did something wrong. Married you, baptized you, you know, put oil on the doors of your new house, get, and, and now I'm hiding. And now I'm in the diaper section and my kid's 11. Hey, we got to stop that. We got to have such a good attitude. We got to have a good attitude about everyone that God's bringing, and we got to have a good attitude about people leaving. We just got to, and, and when we see them, we're going to love them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to be Christians through and through. We're going to be Christians when we see them at Starbucks, at Target. We're not going to end up in the diaper aisle. We're going to walk down the same aisle. We're going to reach out our hand. We're going to say, hey, brother, love you, sis, praying for you. How's the family? Awesome. Praise God. And we're, I'm telling you, our fig and our fountain has to be sweet. This is the will of God. We're not cutting ties. We're just untying them. Hallelujah. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. Hey, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a saint. Amen. I don't know who it is or what it is. I just know what my obligation is. And my obligation is to produce sweet water. And my obligation is to have sweet figs. And my obligation is to be a fruitful tree. And my obligation is to be a blessed peacemaker. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. 
Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yes, I feel the Holy Ghost talking. To, I feel attitudes changing. I feel attitudes. In 2 Samuel 16, David has a moment. You know, we all know this story. I'm almost done. It's 7.49. I'm going to be done by 8 o'clock, I promise. And that's not a preacher promise. That's, that's, a, that's a promise. Saul was king. And Saul killed Saul. That's right. Saul killed Saul. Nobody killed Saul. Saul killed Saul. But that's not the way Saul's family saw it. So as far as, 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 as far as they were concerned, it was David that did this. It was David that did this. And Saul had a relative named Shimei. Shimei hated David. But he couldn't get to him because David lived in the palace. He was a king. You don't get to talk to the king. I know some of you leave comments on Joe Biden's Instagram account. He doesn't read it. Look at this. Jim in Durham doesn't like me. Someone call Kamala. Stop doing that. Just stop it. Listen, you got to forgive me. You're, you're already getting mad. Don't get mad. But one day, and we won't, we won't get into David had to leave the, cow, the, 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 the palace. And him and his entourage are wandering around. And Shimei says, this would be a perfect opportunity to cuss David out. And so he shows up to the, to the parade. And he starts cursing David and cussing at David. And David ran with some rough neck men. David's, David's guys were no chumps. And one of them told David, excuse me, I'm going to go kill him. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's exactly what he told. That's the Bay Area version, the B-A-V. <laughs> and David stops him. In 2 Samuel 16 and and in, in, in 12, he says, it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will require me good for his cursing this day. And he told the man that was about to go kill Shimei, let him curse for the Lord, the Lord, 16 and 10, the Lord hath bidden him. In other words, this is a moment this, this is a moment that God, that God has instituted. Yeah. 
This is a moment that God has instituted. Can I tell you that when you find yourself in difficult moments that have a history to them, because some moments have histories, and this moment had histories, this moment had funerals, inheritances, families, feuds attached to it. It was nothing that could be fixed in a matter of moments. It could not be fixed on the spot. This moment had a history to it. But I want you to remember this. Good things don't have to happen to you for good things to happen to you. David said, what is going on here? This ain't right. This is not good, but God is good. When you find yourself in a moment that you know you can't fix in a moment and somebody's cursing and yelling and cussing and screaming and and dropping direct messages. I'm just telling you, you need to put the phone down, you need to put your smile up, and you just need to tell yourself, the Lord is good, and he makes all things work together for the good to them that love him and that are called according to his purpose. Amen, hallelujah. I'm just telling you, you may never be able to convince your son how much you loved him. Amen, you may never be able to convince your daughter that you're not a against her. You may never be able to convince so-and-so that you meant them no evil and that you weren't the one that hurt them. They hurt themselves. But in those moments, uh, don't get into a shouting match. Don't debate point for point. Uh, you just close your eyes and say, I love you, Jesus. Uh, I pray, Hallelujah. Hang up the phone uh, and just say, I love you, Jesus. Uh, don't talk about the matter. Don't repeat the matter. You keep it between you and God, and God will turn it around. Uh, I said... Come on. I'm preaching to somebody right now that's in the middle of a fight for an inheritance. Come on, you just go. Hey, I'm telling you what I heard. I don't want to scare nobody, but the Holy Ghost spoke to me in the hotel and said, you tell my people that there's moments coming that got a history attached to them, and there's people that got a totally different perspective of what happened, and I'm here to tell you when that happens, when the phone call comes, when they show up, when they find out where you live, and you thought they'd never find out where you live, amen, you start blessing the Lord, you start praying for his mercy, you start asking God to forgive them, you start, come on, somebody oh come on come on come on i got five minutes left to preach come on the holy ghost is talking to somebody i gotta move quickly i'm closing i got five minutes hey all of Jesus' disciples were broke. <laughs> I didn't get a big email. Yes, they, they were broke. We know they were broke because Jesus told them, follow me. And they quit their jobs. No job, no money. Well, unless you're in a pandemic, then you get money even if you're not working. <laughs> I'm not doing good tonight, am I? <laughs> no job, no money. Matthew left the IRS, no money. 
Peter left the nets, no money. Philip means lover of horses, he left the stables, no money. No money. They were broke. In fact, they were, man, it was one, it's bad enough being broke. One day, Jesus gathers, he gathers all the broke guys, and he says, listen, you're gonna go preach. Whatever you got left, leave it here. That's what he told them. Yes, he, they, they were broke, broke. They was poor. Couldn't even afford the R. But you want to know how we know they were really broke? Because at the Last Supper, they're all getting ready. They start dipping the bread. And Jesus says, one of you has betrayed me. And in Matthew 26, the Bible says, all the disciples said, is it I? And we know the one that succumbed to the temptation, it was over money. And they were all being tempted with money. Their poverty, their brokenness was being leveraged against them. This is, this is not part of my message, but let me tell you something. I find it funny that the guy who held the bag and had money was the one who fell for the money. Can I tell you that sometimes hardships is where you learn stewardship? And sometimes it's when you have no money that you get the best perspective on money. We didn't even know Joseph was good with the checkbook until he was in a prison. We didn't even know that jo Joseph had, had, had administrative prowess until he was in the hardest points of his life. I'm telling you, don't even let me tell you what I learned when I was poor. Praise God. I'm telling you, some of y'all don't know what you're missing. Praise God. You learn how to make a whole lot out of some vegetables, butter, and scrambled eggs. I'm just, you really learn. You learn to quit. You learn to quit borrowing money when you're broke. You learn to quit overdrafting your bank account when you're broke. You find out, praise God, when you're broke that credit cards don't give you money, praise God. They give you debt. I'm telling you there's something about B. Amen. Some, ah, come on, somebody. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, there's a whole lot of stewardship that's learned in hardship. Amen. But too many folk trying to impress everybody, and they refuse to go through that stage of being broke in order to learn what it means to handle God's goodness. Praise God. But if you'll obey the Holy Ghost, you will have hardships in your life. You will have times when you don't have enough money. And in those times, God will show you what money really is. God will show you how money really works. God will show you. Come on, somebody. Somebody give God some praise. There are people here, you are going through a financial transition. Hey, it's not, it's just a season. It's not a season for now. It's just the season. You're in a season. The Holy Ghost is telling me to tell you, you are in a season. The devil's talking to some of you and telling you, it'll always be like this. 
this. The devil's a liar. I'm telling you he's a liar. God's trying to teach you something right now. Go ahead and just pass the class. You could do this. God wouldn't have put you in the trial if you couldn't do this. Amen. You're learning something. You're learning something about money. You're learning something about marriage. You're learning something about church. You're learning stuff about Jesus. You're learning about tithing. You're learning about offerings. You're learning about children. You're learning about jobs. You're learning about the importance of education. You're learning about the right now I'm telling you you're learning some stuff you're learning stuff money can't buy you're learning oh praise him praise him praise him it's 801 it's 801 When you are in a moment of financial distress, don't betray who you need for what you need. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need him more than a car. You need him more than an addition on the house. You need him more than stocks and bonds. I'm not preaching against all those things. I'm just telling you how the priority, I'm just telling you what the pyramid needs to look like. I'm just telling you what the, I'm just telling you what the priorities need to look like. The kingdom of God first and everything else. Satan's been talking to people. He's telling you to betray who you need for what you need. Pastor Urshan, I remember the day. I remember the day when I said I will never apply again for a job that makes me work on Sundays. That doesn't mean I never did work on Sundays. There was times I had to, I understand. But I said I will no longer apply for Sunday jobs. I will request to get off Wednesday night. What do you guys do, Tuesday? Tuesday night. Some of y'all was praising God. Tuesday night. I'm asking for Tuesday nights off. I'll work during the day. Someone else can take the evening shift. Because I'm putting God first. Because I need him. I'm going to need him to get out of this job. I'm gonna need him to get out of this debt. I'm gonna need him to help me pay that letter that just came in the mail. I'm gonna need him to help me get out of this apartment complex that ain't no good anymore. I'm gonna need him to help me get that new. Eight oh three, and I'm closing with this. 